Hello. Hey. How's it going? It's going okay. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just drove back from our parents. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we were visiting family for the holiday season, which by the time you're listening to this is a few days in the past. I guess, you know, New Year's is still happening. Yeah, it's true. That's true. But like Christmas stuff, if mm-hmm. you're Christmasing, that's already in the rear view. You've already broken out your gifts. You're playing with them or cooking with them or reading them or whatever you got, you know? Hopefully you have gifts which allow you to multitask and listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you're listening on your brand new AirPods. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, or on your brand new phone or what you know, whatever you got to listen to <laughs> shit. On your brand new record player, you put this on vinyl <laughs> immediately. Sure, I don't know yeah. how you did that. It's on weird. Your brand new vinyl press that you got. That's, I mean, more power to you, I guess. <laughs> Everybody's got hobbies. <laughs> it seems wasteful, but okay. Well, you know, there's good things to be doing with your holiday season. And there's also bad things, um, scary things. Uh, there was this post that I saw from the new president of Argentina. Okay. Uh, Javier Millet. Have you heard of this guy? I haven't. He's kind of crazy. Um, okay. He's bad. Like He's a right winger. Okay. He fancies himself as like a libertarian sort of dude. He was like a TV guy, very provocative uh, dude. Always just talk shit about everybody. Uh, And anyway, he won their election to be president of Argentina. Cool. Normal. Great. And yeah, he he, um, put this post on social media that says, happy holidays and be careful not to become a communist. (laughs) Oops. Dang it. Oh, man. It's too late. Too late for me. This is like the opposite of our social media strategy. (laughs) Happy holidays. Don't forget to make other people become communists. Yeah. And he accompanied his message with a picture of him. uh, I don't know where he is, like in a hotel, like in the corner of a hotel lobby or room. Or it's like this weird patterned floor. Maybe it's one of the offices in his building or something. It's shot like from this above angle sort of thing, and he is holding a baseball bat. Okay, you're going to have to send me the pic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's bizarre. And I say this, this is the opposite of our social media strategy, because we give you cats and ask you to please become communists. Yes, we show you nice pictures. Let's see, let's see. <laughs> oh he looks God. like an extra in... Um, Clockwork Orange or something. Yeah, I was going to say like a really bad like Quentin Tarantino inspired student film is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's going to be so badass. We're all going to dress up in suits and do violent shit. Yeah. Be careful not to become a communist. Wow. Uh, the opposite of that. We're going to give, we'll give you cat pictures and, you know, please become a communist. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Better photo quality, better photo subject, better message. That's what we're going for. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I thought you were going to reference, you know, speaking of bad ways to spend your Christmas, uh, genocide is another bad way to spend Christmas. Not a good one. We're kind of anti-genocide here. Controversial take. (laughs) Hot fucking take. Uh, Yeah, no, that's that's a really bad, really bad thing to be doing at any time. Yes, at any time. Especially mean, I guess. At a time when people are supposed to be joyous. Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know, I just saw a lot about, you know, this is 
literally Bethlehem. <laughs> and, you know, it's just getting trampled. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, I think a pregnant woman got run over by like a bulldozer. Like, it's just, it's fucking scary shit. And, and part of me is like wondering how much of this are they, I mean, they were going to do it anyway, but I'm wondering like if Christmas kind of gave them cover because people are distracted by their, their fun new toys and, you know, thinking of nice things and being together, which is good and important. I'm not saying it's not, uh, but I'm wondering like if they feel like they can get away with more because of that. For sure. hundred percent. Um, they, you know, Israel knew they had kind of a deadline with the American press of a certain, a certain cutoff point when it was just not going to be, not going to be as covered. I mean, they were all going home for the most part. Americans were going to cut down from everybody sort of obligatorily, or I guess I should say a lot of people obligatorily following the news because they're bored at work. Um, to cutting down to a lot of people saying, fuck, I can finally, I'm on vacation now. I can cut out from that. You know, people lucky enough to get that, have that situation. Or maybe they don't and their family's visiting and they're like, you know what, my family's visiting. I'm not going to be paying attention to the news, you know, in my free time and what little free time I have. So, yeah, I mean, lots of that's going to gonna scale people back off of these stories because that's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people follow news merely as distraction or entertainment yeah yeah um rather than as a way to stay informed about things they need to you know be active in i mean i'm guilty of it too i was i was driving home last night and i i flipped on npr and i was like oh no bbc is doing actual news right now i can't do it like it's still christmas (laughs) (laughs) and i switched it to some fucking dolly parton so yeah i mean it's a it's a privilege to have that choice it is yeah i think they were I think Israel was relying on that in terms of saying, yeah, I mean, we, we need to be talking about how we're going to, oh, we're going to be responding, you know, same old playbook of telling people as nice of things as they will deign to say, because they'll still be like, no, we're not going to do like a ceasefire. Like, we're still going to fight this to the last Hamas fighter is there. You know, like they still talk in exterminatory language, but give out enough nice things talk enough an, a nice enough game to where when that deadline happens they can be like cool they're not listening anymore yeah Keep they're distracted rolling. let's go kill everybody yeah i don't even think there was any sort of lull really before then it was just you know there was a certain act you had to do for a little while yeah i mean yemen is now involved mm, yeah the houthis yeah so they, they like showed solidarity with like palestine basically and that was going on <laughs> yeah it's kind of a complicated story uh the houthi were this rebel group in in yemen that they've been for a long time fighting this civil war there in yemen uh the government has kind of been losing to the houthi rebel group so much so i mean that the houthis control the capital um and in these releases these announcements where they say hey don't come through the Red Sea with shit on its way to Israel or we will basically pirate it. I mean, like, we're going to stop you. They say, like, the Yemeni Navy is going to stop you. They're, like, just saying, like, that's us. Like, we Yeah, yeah, charge. okay. Because I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know who the Houthi are. I just heard, like, Yemen is like, hey, fuck Israel or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're effectively in charge, although internationally the Yemeni government is recognized as some other group. 
the group that base effectively lost or is badly losing their civil war. Um, previous to this, uh, kind of in its earlier days, the Yemeni civil war, the Saudis backed the government mm. tune of, uh, you know, millions and billions of dollars, oh, yeah. um, of material, uh, the U.S. also was helping with that. Like they were helping the Saudis, like get them drones and stuff like that and missiles and shit. I'm and especially in the Obama <laughs> administration, like they were doing that a lot. Man, did Obama have fucking stocks and drones? Because like, <laughs> he would have been a crazy. fool not to, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember they used to be doing that, but apparently since, or you know, more recently, Saudi has backed off of supporting the government there and has been looking to broker some kind of a agreement between the government and or I guess you know the official government versus the Houthi led government uh, and most importantly just do not want to be drawn into the conflict so when the Houthi come out there and the Yemen comes out there and says hey fuck Israel you guys can't come through here anymore or we're gonna fuck up your shit Saudi is Saudi Arabia is not trying to fuck with that at all yeah yeah they're like we can't take that fight yeah so they're like I mean, let them do it. And lots of people throughout <laughs> the throughout Southwest Asia, the region in general, uh, in the Muslim world are glad um, for some country to be stepping up and doing something actively. A lot of them feel like their countries, their own countries, are being far too pro-Western about this, pro, far too pro, not necessarily Israeli. They might talk, you know, criticize but they're not willing to stand up to the United States backing Israel and everything. That's you know? the thing. Yeah. No one wants to, to poke us about it. And so they're like, well, hell yeah. Like Yemen's doing something at least. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it continues to be, and I mean, you know, our prediction can probably hold by the time you're listening to that. It probably continues to be disastrous over there. I'm sure. Yeah. This will come out Thursday recording Tuesday. I, I very much doubt the genocide will end in two days, but you know, here's hoping. Yeah. Unlikely. Yeah. What else we got? I didn't like, I was one of those people. I did not pay attention to the news this week. So <laughs> I just have little scraps of things that I found funny. Uh, I mostly have funny stuff. Although I guess I have a little bit of labor corner looking forward. Mm, let's do that. Cause you know, next week, when you're listening to this, you know, not this coming time, but the, and our next release will be in the new year. So, you know, around, around about this time, you'll be reading various, you know, retrospectives and whatnot. And then kind of looking forward is, oh, what's coming up in 2024? And it'll be dumb shit. But sometimes it's interesting. <laughs> um, Jacobin has an article about big union contract fights. Mm, all right. Tell me more. Yeah. So apparently there's several... Uh, different industries and companies whose workers are going to be their contracts expire in 2024. So there's the potential uh, for strikes. There's a potential for, you know, intense negotiations to try to get better working conditions, all that sort of stuff. So example, uh, AT&T, uh, this one covers 25,000 AT&T wireline workers in April and in August, two different contracts and everything. Um, they're currently they have like a two tier workforce in previous negotiations. You know how sometimes mm, yeah. companies will like to be like, Oh yeah, let's make these shittier workers mm -hmm. so they can split the workers overall. So they're looking to 
either make that better, like improve conditions for that second tier workforce, you know, maybe get rid of the tiers. That's yes. better, I think, strategy if they can get it. Yes. Um, but who knows? That's Communication Workers of America Local 3122. They talked to his president, their president kind of about that. Um, but it, it's, it's broader than that and more than just one local, obviously. They're going to be negotiating. It looks like one in February, one in April, one in August. So several different rounds of this is going to be going on. You also have uh, workers at Boeing. Uh, machinists. Ooh, okay. And they're trying to undo some fuckery that went down a decade ago. So back in 2014, just at the just at the turn, kind of. I mean, where we'll find ourselves in a couple weeks here, just at the turn of 2014, uh, they had negotiations going on, and Boeing came in and demanded these concessions. Like mid-contract, they were just like, hey, you better do these concessions or we're going to move all our factories. Mm-hmm. And the national leadership of the uh, mach- machinists union said, okay, fine. Uh, they reopened the bargaining. They had no ability to strike. Shit. Um, and they agreed to give up the pension, uh, allow a big shift in health care costs from the company to the workers. Fuck. Members rejected it initially, but then over the holiday break... January 3rd, they pushed through another vote and they got 51% to approve it, although many veteran union members were on holiday break and missed the vote. Yeah, no shit, dude. (laughs) What the fuck? So that locked in things for 10 years. So not only just passing a bad contract, but passing it with a 10-year lifespan. That's devious. Furious members amended the Constitution in 2016 to require the union to conduct a vote of local membership before engaging in any more mid-contract talks, because that sucked the last mm-hmm. time that happened. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, but now the big bad contract is up for renewal or negotiation? Mm-hmm. Okay. And now they're saying, hey, uh, we've We're got a better position to... Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. They're hoping to increase wages, to adjust for cost of living, restore the pension, and weekend mandatory overtime... They will finally have the ability to strike again, which they've just been banned from doing so, I guess, for so long. Some of the locals have set up payroll deductions starting way back in 2019, encouraging members to set aside $50 a paycheck in individual strike funds. So basically save money for when we need to strike at the end of the contract. Wow. I mean, good to be proactive, but damn. Okay. So we'll keep an eye on that and, you know. If it happens, we'll we'll try to send out links to those strike funds. For sure. Uh, again, sort of in that labor organizing, labor corner sort of uh, vein. Mm-hmm. Management wants you to sign a long contract. <laughs> Don't do they it. They want you to, yeah, they want, they want to lock in stuff because they know inflation's going to work against you. Oh, sure, it's going to work against them, but these guys have enough money to be investing. Mm-hmm. They don't live paycheck to paycheck, and if your paycheck is locked in, then you're especially screwed. Yeah, you know? yeah, especially right. if you can't fucking strike. Ugh. Right. Then they, if they, you know, basically they're yellow dog contracting you, saying you can't, you know, banning strikes during the length of the contract. It's crazy. Don't do that. Yeah, definitely don't. And I guess that's also something to say, to speak to the importance of union leadership, like getting the right people in there. I think one of the big victories we saw with the United Auto Workers is they had leadership that was actually willing to be confrontational 
if they had get along kind of business union types that didn't, you know, and you're not talking really radical revolutionaries or something, but still like people who are willing to like scrap for better conditions and actually listen to rank and file versus just say, Oh, like, let me give away our pension. Like, you suck, mm-hmm. dude. You know? Yeah, people are going to push back. People who aren't going to let sneaky shit like voting over the holidays happen. Like, what the yeah, fuck? That's awful. Yeah, that's just bad strategy. Uh, American Airlines flight attendants, their contract it has expired and they have seen no raises since before the pandemic. They voted back in August to strike with an overwhelming 99.47%. Okay. So that's authorized. Uh, Southwest flight attendants rejected a contract in December that included a 20% wage increase because they want more than that. Yeah. They've been negotiating for five years now and yeah, they want a 33% raise while American airlines is offered just an 11%. Oh my God. And so, yeah, there's also United and Alaska airlines. Those flight attendants are also in negotiations. So, you know, book your flights now, I guess (laughs) plan carefully, but also (laughs) Don't blame the the workers in this. Blame the assholes who aren't paying them enough. Yeah, for sure. I I think I talked about it on the show, but there was a story on NPR about like the strikes happening in ski towns. And uh, it kind of made me think of this because one of the points they made is you used to be able to kind of hire people for a job based on like how cool or fun it was and not pay them very much. Like, oh, but you get to work at at the ski place and you can Mm -hmm. ski however much you want. And I think flight attendants might have something similar of like, oh, do you love to travel? Like you get all these free flights and you get to see the world and all that stuff. So like Mm -hmm. people try to like fool you with perks a lot. And that's just not fucking cutting it anymore. Cause like, hey, like regular people are struggling. Yeah. And I would add to that, you're struggling in the economic sense, but you're also struggling more at your job. Like your job, I feel like everyone's job, especially the ones that are customer facing Mm -hmm. have gotten way worse. Yeah. Like a society has, let's say unraveled or I think I was going to say broken down, which sounds worse, but yeah, (laughs) I mean that social, the social connections that impelled people to, generally be tolerable to people in at their jobs like that's that sort of like understanding is not there anymore i mean i think it's in large part due to automation like i I saw this post about you know there we're in this weird time where technology is offering us really cool shit to do um, or ways to do things but the corporations are still cutting so many corners that you end up with a bad product anyone who has worked in tech can tell you this like yeah it's never going to be what i wanted it to be like that's just not it you know so what ends up happening is you you have you know let's say in the airlines case or whatever you have an app or a website or whatever kind of experience you're pushing people towards that online experience but because you cut corners guess what it's gonna fail and Mm -hmm. so by the time someone calls somebody they're fucking pissed (laughs) yeah they tried the chat bot they tried the you know calling and talking to the machine thing that says say this or whatever and Mm -hmm. and yeah by the time they manage to get to you they've exhausted all of their patience with all of that that's i think a big part of it i think another is the the more overbearing bosses feel like they can be with their employees in customer service settings like 
they you you know you see all these complaints out there. Oh, no one wants to work anymore. It's like and, and, and all this, and it's like because you are an asshole and they can't. <laughs> no quit. one wants to work for you. You suck. <laughs> but like, they are increasingly. I don't know. You were talking about the ski resort thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that could be kind of a cool gig, a cool job to have if you were into skiing, and. You got to like help people be like a guide or something, but you had some sort of independence, right? If somebody was a complete asshole to you, you could tell them, fuck off. I'm here to help you. (laughs) If you want to be a dick to me, fuck off. Yeah, I'm not going to be available to you for this. And and when you try that in any sort of customer service setting or whatever, you know, you can't imagine a boss. Maybe you can imagine one in, in in the 60s and 70s saying, hey, why are you being an asshole to my employee or something? Mm-hmm. You can't really imagine that these days. No. Like anyone going to bat for you against customers. Like you're expected to just put up with bullshit and just let it go. And who wants to do that? Like that doesn't, there's no job you can sweeten with it being kind of cool to do the thing when that's what you're subjected to. It's just disrespect. I mean, why do you think teachers burn out so much? Because they have to deal oh, with that from not yeah. even fully formed humans. Like, <laughs> these guys are still, and to your teen listeners out there, you guys are great, personally, yeah, love you're y'all. cool. <laughs> but you got to admit, some of your classmates, man, they can be jerks, you know? <laughs> well, and he's like, like, oh, you have to put up with that, you know? I think, I think that's a great example, though, because I think with kids uh, and young people, like, what often happens is they feel like they have very little control of their lives. And so whenever they act out or lash out, like it can be of kind of coming from that place of, well, I'm going to make this difficult because I can not always like sometimes there's other reasons, but having dealt with a a seven year old a lot, that often is it like if you give him the illusion of choice, he'll chill out. (laughs) And I think that happens a lot with adults too. And particularly like with people who are, in more dire economic straits, like maybe I'm wondering if like part of the abuse that like retail workers suffer um, is this is a part of their life that they have control in, that mm-hmm. customers have control in it and, and they like that power and they just are so disempowered in every other area of their life, you know? Yeah. And so they're like, oh, I'm like now I have it. Like I can, I can be mean. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and, yeah, and it's partially. not a mustache twirling thing of like, no. I mean, it can be for sure, but like, I'm wondering how much of that is, you know, the classic hurt people, hurt people kind of thing. Yeah. I, in that vein, I would say it's like, not so much here's where I have power, but it's like, I can't lose power here too. Like, yeah, that's like, a better way to put it. Damn it. You know, this, I'm going to try to make <laughs> everything this right. else has gone wrong for me. Right. Yeah. Can like, I get uh, this shirt in this one color, please? <laughs> yeah. At least I can get this. Come on, you know? And mm-hmm. you know, you get it. The frustration is obviously never okay to take that on people. But that's where you can understand, I guess, where they're coming from. That's a good way to. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, it. I'm sure that's not every case for sure. Like there are just some assholes out there. And to you guys who are in customer-facing things, like fuck every single one of yeah, the they suck asshole customers. <laughs> you don't have, have to empathize with them. You really no, don't. <laughs> yeah, like we're not talking about them specifically. I'm sure they're uniquely mean, but I don't know. It is also good to think about it in that sense of like, yeah, this is. I always try to think of that as like, uh, this person's just going through it right now or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Like this is, this is for some reason the worst part of this person's day, like, but probably something else happened to get them to this point. <laughs> yeah. Like trying not to take it personally, I guess. But. Yeah. It's tough out there though. Let's see. What other strikes loom? Uh, Daimler trucking 
7,000 auto workers there. So kind of in the vein of, of the auto workers victories and everything, uh, contract includes three North Carolina Freightliner plants where mm, workers assemble okay. and make parts for semis and medium duty trucks. Cool. The largest school bus manufacturing site in North America. Ooh, interesting. So you might, your teens might be walking to school, I guess. Yeah, or having an even worse bus to be on. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, they'll break out some of the older models. Oh, with all the ripped seats and shit. Ugh. Yeah, great stuff. Mm-hmm. So, there, you know, there's that. Uh, I think there was teachers unions. Yeah, there's some down here. Two big teacher union contracts expire next year. That's Chicago with 25,000 members and Philadelphia with 13,000. All right. Let's go Midwest. So, yeah, I don't I don't think Philadelphia's Midwest. I don't think but... Philadelphia's Midwest. Never mind. <laughs> Let's go, you two individual cities. But you might not have to walk to school either. You may just not have to go to school. Just Maybe. go out there and support your teachers <laughs> on the picket line. Yeah. I hear they're handing out free hundreds if you do so. <laughs> I definitely would. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good strategy. Teachers unions, you know, a little under the table. You have to kind of be secretive about that one, but. Just call it extra credit, but you know what it Put is. Put some of the strike funds into buying various snacks, you know. Get Pizza party. Takis and... <laughs> really, it's hard to pin down any particular snack. Like, some kids are just bringing, essentially, their pantries in their backpacks. I'm just <laughs> Holy like... shit. So sometimes I think about this, and, and teens, y'all can, y'all can chime into us and us tell know. us, like, what is the cultural shift here? Or maybe it's always been this way and just wasn't in our family. But, like, I never felt like I could just often head out the door with a bag of chips in my bag. Like people would say, where did that bag of chips that we had go? <laughs> well, we didn't buy did a lot this? of like the snack pack sized things. We no. usually bought value pack sized things. So but that would be pretty crazy. We, I'm saying kids are coming up <gasps> with family size bags of chips. Okay. Yeah. No, that would be like, mom would be like, I just bought this. What happened to it? Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying is like, <laughs> there would be question marks and I certainly wouldn't be able to be like, mom, can you put on the grocery bit list? Like, a huge ass, like like just a big Family thing of Oreos, ruffles. and I'm going to take that to school back and forth. No, like, that would she'd not be, be like, allowed. "Are you okay?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah. Do they uh, share it? Do they like? Yeah, they'll swap? share it, and it, and it's just it's like, like a potluck every day. Uh, they'll share it. They'll ha- they'll like mostly eat it and like hand some, or they'll just roll it back up and keep you know I, I don't know eat it all day. I have no idea like the consumption level. Some kids like, especially like my kind of athlete guys, mm-hmm. they'll just like fucking pound Dude, team boys they're just a bottomless pit it's crazy <laughs> but I, then i the, the flip side of that is wondering like do you just get these bought for you like are you open about this or are your parents just like <laughs> damn we're out of doritos again like, i gotta buy seven giant bags of chips again this week <laughs> jeremy's gonna eat all of them <laughs> they go to like, costco and get the largest bags possible it's kind of a sweet gig like i, I kind of you know i'm a little jealous of it in a way <laughs> But I'm also like kind of uh, scared, like, damn, if I have a child in the future, I cannot, I don't think I would be comfortable allowing that to happen. But then I'm like, is that bad? Like to I don't know. be that mm, controlling? I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know either. I've got a lot of food hangups, so I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just like, damn, I, uh, I could not get away with that back in the day. No. Also, like, you definitely weren't allowed to eat in class back in the day. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can fight the fight. I tried it a little bit and I think I just... To me, it was more of a waste of time that I found out kind of, I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that bad not to. Also, you know, you should probably develop your own hunger cues as a person and not like 
I don't know, overly regimented mealtimes can be bad for some people. So like, whatever. And like, you are like growing as a, you know, physically, like you might need a lot of calories. Yeah. Eventually what I settled into was only being like, okay, sorry. This is a whole, like, this is, you literally brought leftovers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a Tupperware of spaghetti. You need to save this for for lunch. (laughs) Sorry, you're building a Lunchable. Like you're going to have to put this away. (laughs) Like you know, that that's a literal lunch. Just yeah. save it for a bit. But it's like pretty much snackable. anything short of that was fine. That's know? funny. That's funny. But I did. I, I just like wasted too much time early on policing that. And I was just like, it doesn't seem to be stopping. Personally, I don't care that much. And no one has, you know, gotten on to me. I'm like, there's too many kids eating here. And it's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, I'm not seeing the downside of it. I mean, I guess it's a minor distraction, but like they're probably distracted anyway. So like, whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, next semester, I'm not dealing with I don't care. Like, yeah. do it. I'll still basically say, like, no actual pizzas or, you know. <laughs> A hoagie. It's like steak dinner. <laughs> <laughs> no silverware, okay? Yeah. That's the rule. <laughs> gotta be handhelds, only one hand, only. No, no yeah. double fisting. <laughs> you gotta theoretically be able to work while you're eating this. So. Yes, yes. I think that's a good rule. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we're just too far behind so maybe younger maybe listeners you can chime in and have advanced yeah <laughs> we're just we're, we're millennials here <laughs> our time has passed yeah truly get out of the new world if you can't lend a hand or whatever <laughs> so huh. yeah lots of other industries i guess i'm not going to get into all of them that's exciting though full year yeah you have um two contracts for covering 60,000 film and television crew workers. Oh, nice. During July 31st, International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Ooh. So they're potentially going on strike or, you know, they have a contract coming up. East Coast Longshore, Longshoremen's Association, 17,000 of them in September. Uh, Postal workers got about 320,000 of them total. They have a contract coming up as well. Grocery workers, workers at Anheuser-Busch, janitors who clean like big box stores. Yeah. So lots of different, uh, (laughs) lots of different segments of the economy you'll be hearing about this coming year. Good. Good. I mean, people are fucking tired as they should be. (laughs) Yeah, it's just been too crazy out there to to put up with the shit anymore in terms of the conditions and definitely in terms of the pay. I mean, it'd be different if you saw, you know, billionaires and CEOs and everything out there hustling a second job and, you know, cutting corners to make ends meet and stuff on a personal level. You know, you see them shopping at Costco and <laughs> you see your, your your CEO at Costco. What would you do? <laughs> right. I'd be uh, like, what What are you doing? You don't have to be here. They're posting, like, Bezos is posting TikToks where he's like, so here's a struggle meal, you guys, when it's <laughs> coming close to the end of the month and you don't have enough to get by. He's like, you know, here's posting some sort of sad, oh you know, God. craft mac and cheese yeah, stretch yeah. sort of meal or something. That'd be, I would love to see, like, the world where that actually that'd takes be off. That'd be so good. <laughs> Poverty billionaires. They wouldn't last a day. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but it's not, you know, they're not, they're not going through any of what you're going through. So 
So fuck them. I mean, go on strike, get yours. And remember, it's not just small bore shit. And it's not just, well, that's good for that industry, but it's not me. Strikes are what one of the big means of training the working class. Uh, That's how we learn to govern ourselves, how we learn to work together, how we learn solidarity with each other, not just in our industry, but as a working class altogether. We see different segments, you know, uh, I guess what I should say is what we saw as different segments of society, Mm -hmm. how they are similar to us, how their fight is our own, how different regions of the country, different racial groups, different, you know, ethnicities, different genders, people are all in the same fight against the same asshole. Their boss is your boss and you're in it together. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great exercise in solidarity, both from within and without the union. Speaking of many, many segments of the economy, different careers, I noticed something. Uh, We were talking about this a little bit this weekend. We're talking about, you know, the classic Hallmark Christmas films. Oh, yeah. Very comforting in their their formulas. Uh, I I recently discovered the formula for creating a uh, fake European kingdom for your leading lady to end up as princess of. It's just adding Ovia to the end of it. Genovia was one of them. The most famous ones, obviously, from Princess Diary. It doesn't always work. I mean, you can't do it like, you can't do it with any word. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, okay, look at this. Asovia. Asovia. What is this? Uh, Christmas Prince takes place in the fictional country of Aldovia. Ooh, okay. And then Princess Switch, which is another fake European company, or company, country. (laughs) It's a startup. Yeah. (laughs) This is based in Belgravia. So that's really just the formula. They're like, we want to be European, vaguely Eastern European, but not too Russian, you know? Like, yeah. they really are just like, it's small, it's quaint, whatever. <laughs> Belgravia anyway. is like, it's like Belgrade. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing uh, that we talked about was the the careers involved in, in rom-coms. Um, mm, okay. So, you know, you, you go, you're in the big city, you fall in love with, with Country Man. That's the general formula. Yeah. Country Man good. Like I've been I've been reading a lot of rom-com books as well lately just because mm-hmm. it's just like oh this is like the fun of watching a movie but my brain feels good and so <laughs> and it, they do the same thing like everyone starts out as like very stressed like sort of urban worker you know whatever that is in Hallmark movies they're usually lawyers or or business people of some sort and then at the end they're like you know what I've actually always wanted to be a baker <laughs> everyone ends up in these like creative pursuits uh that i'm like this one i don't know how you're going to make a living this way but okay whatever i'm just gonna like suspend disbelief and assume you got a small business loan but like (laughs) it's it's just really telling to me that like everyone's what everyone would actually be doing is not what they're doing (laughs) yeah or that they want to really do a thing like no one's ever like I don't know. I've kind of always wanted to be an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that (laughs) rom-com? Yeah. I've always, you know, thought about hedge fund managing. Yeah. Like those are not the jobs of which we dream. (laughs) Corporate law. (laughs) Mm. Because yeah, if they're a lawyer, their thing will be like, oh, I represented some like people who really needed me, some like underserved community. And it's like, that's not what corporate law does. So I don't know how you got your boss to approve that client. (laughs) Yeah. Like they were like, well, you're meaning they start out a heartless 
corporation lawyer, business lawyer person, but then they go and do, they do some sort of cool popular mission and they realize that's what they want to do, like an internal lawyer conversion sort of thing. Yeah, or they, they work for like a nonprofit or something and they, mm-hmm. they help people that way or whatever. But I just, I think it's very interesting that in many, many cases, it's like baking or like some sort of artistic or culinary pursuit that's much more creative. And I'm, you know, like once again, just like baffled as to how we are going the wrong way in automation of like, why are we trying to do that? <laughs> that's just what people want to do. Yeah, you know, um, the Richard Scary jobs, like the actual, yes. the literal ones you that do, do a things thing. for people. <laughs> yeah, you're a blinker. <laughs> yeah. It's Ugh. like, no, let's just have robots do the only things that we like. That's funny, though. Yeah. I think a lot has already been written about the weird urban-rural divide of those movies as well, which I think that's interesting. Yeah. What they should do is, well, they won't do this because everyone who's watching it is there, but they should do people like, ditching the suburbs for like okay the communist version of this would be non-binary person from the suburbs <laughs> working in a call center they they get unionized <laughs> yeah they get unionized um <laughs> they go on strike and they meet you know and then they meet the the hot labor organizer from uh-huh. uh from a walkable city <laughs> and this so is they, it. This and is it. they uh you know, a they, commune for Christmas. We have the we have the title, <laughs> cut, print, ship. Commune, yeah, and yeah, they go on dates or whatever. They have the tension. And, and she between... like introduces them to theory or something on the date. Like they go to a, a store and, and they explain like, oh, so like this is like the means of production here. <laughs> yeah, they, there's these are the workers. <laughs> <laughs> they do some casual shoplifting. Really, mm-hmm. it's a bonding moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end of the day, yeah, they move to. The walkable city with them in, yeah, obviously abroad. Or, I don't know. They have to move abroad. Yeah, they, America sucks. <laughs> it's that, uh, or they start the revolution. So they, you know, there there's some places, I guess, some particular, maybe a college campus or something. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, I like this. It. A commune for Christmas. I would watch this. Someone make it happen. There you go. What else do we have? I got a couple of things about food. Okay, I like food. Let's go with this one first because it's more mad than silly this one is from the wall street journal i think it's just in their main reporting section yeah it's just a normal story not opinion their opinion stuff is just (laughs) too silly most of the time trash uh but this one's about restaurants okay it says restaurants have ways to stop you from splitting meals (gasps) um excuse me that's the only way i eat at restaurants (laughs) well you are you are who they're talking about here this is more diners share appetizers and entrees at the table. Eateries rework their menus. What are you? Okay. I'm so, I'm super curious. Like what segments of restaurants are doing this? Uh, I don't know. Is it high end? Uh, let's see. We'll, we'll talk about a couple of examples and we can kind of hopefully extrapolate from there. Cause I don't <laughs> remember what they all were talking about probably okay. your cheaper ones are not gonna do we're talking about places where you would sit down and like have mm-hmm. drinks and everything else okay okay because okay. i'm like that was like the thing like tapas like that's the whole point of tapas <laughs> well obviously not your ta- your tapas aren't gonna be like sorry you cannot do tapas <laughs> you here everyone has to order their own diet platter <laughs> of mussels or whatever fuck you <laughs> but i thought this was interesting just because like it's super money grubbing on the yeah. part of the restaurants that the way they quote them and stuff it's they're just like oh we want to make sure that they yeah 
because they're talking about 49% of restaurants reported lower check averages in 2023, 53% reported lower profits, uh, dining out has grown more expensive. They don't want to forbid splitting, but they're looking for ways to kind of strategize their way into mm. people not splitting as much. So, for example, Abraham Merchant, chief executive of a New York-based management company with 17 affiliated restaurants, uh, said they're trying subtle strategies like creating single-bite items, like a duck confit spring roll meant for one, <gasps> without getting rid of splittable options like roasted carrot hummus. Okay, so they're moving to individualized apps. That's insane. Yeah, like you pay for just this one. You know. um, oh, I hate it. Yeah, basically they're trying to, to push it. There was this Kylie Monaghan, a partner at Civetta Hospitality, made a discovery after digging into eight months of ordering trends for one of her company's restaurants. Larger party sizes, those are six or seven people, often had the lowest per-person check averages when mm -hmm. sharing dis dishes at Kalissa, a Greek restaurant in Watermill, New York. Probably upscale. I mean, that sounds... It looks fancy. The plate that they are showing here looks fancy. Often they'd come in to drink and socialize without ordering individual entrees. People sharing plates was not great for us, she says. So here's some updates to the menu. Um, just so... You, you get a a look at what the you know what the capitalists are doing when you're just trying to like have a meal with your friends and enjoy company, but you're too poor to do so. In their opinion, they changed the menus like this. So they added pricier items: a section of small plates like thinly sliced raw yellowtail and fluke, each of them twenty-four and eighteen dollars, that aren't meant for sharing. So Please sashimi. They've reinvented sashimi. It looks like they show a picture of sashimi here. <laughs> Like, guys, have we thought about just doing that? <laughs> Those who prefer to split can order a crudo sampler of all the fish for $85. Wait, what was the price of the first one? The, fir the, the thinly sliced raw yellowtail was 24 What a rip. And the fluke was 18 <laughs> But if you're trying to get all of them a sampler, 85 Jesus Christ. Okay. So I guess you could each order the one and it'd still probably be cheaper. Yeah, but barely. <laughs> The larger portion of lobster pasta that used to cost $60 now costs $130. <gasps> it was also okay. meant for sharing. Wow. Wow. So they're wow, like, wow, people wow. are sharing this. Let's just charge more money for it. That's insane. Oh, this makes me so mad on so many levels. Okay. So a few points. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One, I have Googled this place. It looks like it's a place in like the Hamptons and it looks like... Like, it's kind of a resort situation. Mm. So I'm wondering, just because the, the two places you mentioned both, like, were, like, hospitality businesses, mm -hmm. I think this is more, like, hotel-focused. Ah, which a lot okay. of nice restaurants are, like, hotel-based, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because usually, like, if it's an independently-owned restaurant, like, they're doing their own fucking thing. Like, they might be up to these tricks, too. But I think it's telling that it's coming from these, like, management groups. Yeah, that, that are managing multiple restaurant locations mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're less about, I mean, satisfying their customers and more about, like, this lady was doing fucking digging volume. into the profit, you know, books and seeing, like, oh, how could we make more money? I mean, this is just so iconic of, like, okay... Prices are going up, profits are going down, and also the food is smaller. Like, fuck you. Like, what even am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> like, where is all that money going to? Yeah, one strategy, it seems, was this uh, Eric Neal introduced a section 
a big meats section at his Ch- <laughs> Chattanooga, Tennessee restaurant, Easy Bistro and Bar. Now that sounds maybe like it's his only one. It doesn't say he has a lot of other stuff. It's a French eatery. So they offer items that are more filling and easier to split, including a whole chicken. But the catch, okay. sides come separately instead of with the entree. So when diners split a main course, they're encouraged to order more. So like, oh, we'll have the chicken, but we'll also have to order all the sides. You know, I think I've seen this shit before. That's interesting. That sounds kind of okay, to be honest. Because sometimes you don't good. like the sides or you don't want the sides, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like the idea of ordering that for convenience, but I don't like the price change associated with it. Well, Uh, nor do I like this guy, Neil. Like, Neil, Eric Neil, kind of fuck you, because here's another quote thing for him. In the kitchen, Neil also hesitates to make it easy for guests looking to split smaller plates into separately plated appetizers. The kitchen won't add more sauce or food to a split plate. And he says he asked some cooks to create one salad in one bowl and move it to two bowls to train them not to pile on extra food in each. Oh, my God. I don't want it to be something where guests could game the system. Fuck you. Oh, my God. Well, your salad's going to be ugly as hell. First off, like really no attention to detail. Just half of it. Uh, like you get wow. only like the top half or so. like so you just yeah, get like, like the topping you get all the it. cheese <laughs> the other guys <laughs> just got croutons. like a little lettuce i mean i'm assuming they tossed it first but then it's gonna look ugly i mean i don't know depends on the salad i guess that sucks i hate it it is just antithesis to what i believe food is about which is fucking people sharing a meal literally breaking bread together like that is a human experience thing for me and yeah. it's just once again, we're monetizing the goddamn human experience, and this time it's even worse. <sighs> yeah, and I think this is more of an aspect not just of markets, I shouldn't say. It's not just like exchange, because the small little businesses and stuff that run little, you know, a little pizzeria or something, like your independent restaurants and things, they don't engage in this so much because they have kind of different motivations of repeat customers and, you know, kind of almost patrons of people who will show up and and lavishly spend because it's such a good experience and that sort of a thing and they love the food and all that where it's more of your like churn them in and out like you were saying these kind of corporate hotels i think just big management things that's where this is gonna get yeah really rolling like you have a captive audience (laughs) kind of thing of like hey fuck you we're the only restaurant here or whatever it is right yeah yeah you're or you're having this uh, your the bill is footed somehow or whatever, but like, or it's a big group. Like, I guess mm-hmm. a lot of this is talking about big groups coming to. But um, I think that the problem there, the the problem, is not so much with those small establishments as with when capital, you know, with a capital C, you know, your capitalists <laughs> are driving, you know, those profit motives more so than anyone directly involved with the food making process, right? Yeah. Like, People looking to really satisfy, no one really looking to satisfy customers is saying, I don't want it to be something where guests can game the system. That's so fucking childish. You know? Yeah. You're just trying to grub for as much money as you can get there. Truly, truly. Ugh. I don't know. Some of the aspects of it weren't that bad. They talked about somebody who was, um, who reworked a menu for their thing and like redid it to where this, okay, so a lot of people were sharing these entree size portions. So example is they took this large meatball thing in a skillet and changed it to three smaller ones. This makes it easier to split. 
they also lowered the price to it but people are like oh this is smaller no 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 you know (laughs) okay i mean i don't i think at least this person wasn't really trying to fuck things up they were actually kind of trying to make it easier to share to share which is good Mm -hmm. so not everybody in the article came out looking like shit but some of them yeah real assholes just like (laughs) yeah fuck you trying to like enjoy time with your friends for not as much money as we want you to spend that's so fucked hate it yeah and it's like i don't know most of your restaurant patrons are not like splitting one appetizer and like just drinking waters yeah that's the i think that's what confuses me because i'm like okay you're splitting an entree I would assume you've ordered other things, you know, like you probably had cocktails, which like, that's where most of the money comes from. Yeah. Like they probably had like an appetizer to split too. Like it equals out to what I would imagine be the same. You would think, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's... I just eat like a barbarian, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, wow, this is, this is anti-human. <laughs> that's funny. Cause we were looking at uh, like a kind of a nice restaurant, our neighbor, our neighborhood, they were doing like a special menu for new year's Eve. And we can't go because we're out of town, but we're looking at it anyway. And we're like, man, like I would pay extra just to get all of the options. <laughs> like they look so good. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, in the commune, you won't have to worry about. No, you just get to fucking eat food. <laughs> in the commune, if someone comes over from the restaurant, like they work there and they're like, hey, you can't split this. Like you can just. Split their fucking face. Flip them off. Yeah. <laughs> just keep doing it. it's fine like and yeah, then fuck off they'll just be you know retaught by their fellow workers like uh dude we don't do that here like, yeah like <laughs> fucking take what you need don't be an asshole that's yeah. the fucking rule and to counter the you know maybe maybe you're new to the show or you're listening to this with someone you're showing the show to um we don't we're not barracks communists here so no, it's not gruel unless we're you know literally facing huge shortages because i don't know all the capitalist countries are besieging us or something i mean if you're in the imperial countries you don't have to worry about this because by the time it gets to you you're good you know yeah but uh yeah unless we're in huge shortages we're not going to be like yeah doing gruel doing you know go to the cafeteria and get your slop (laughs) intense rationing and shit yeah like we're gonna have you know good sustainable food systems to where people can have the shit they need in terms of preparing it themselves, grocery store style. That's still an yep. important part of people's lives is preparing stuff for their families. But also, we're going to have restaurants. Like, that's going to be a thing. Even when we're fully past any sort of compensation for people and people are just kind of like working how they want to work. Like, yeah. Nobody wants to be in food service like the way it is now for free. No one would do that no. for free <laughs> the way it is currently. But... In a society that's got solidarity with each other, that's not, where it's not, you're not being exploited, but you could work with people to produce food in a quality way for people who want it. And you can like come out there and talk with them. You can, I don't know. I feel like people would, okay, think about it this way. I think people would run a tavern in D&D probably for free. <laughs> like if they. Yeah. If, if by doing so they would like you know have all their basic needs taken care of like people would probably do that i think so yeah and definitely on the cooking side like people fucking love to cook like yeah. and you hear about chefs and like their concerns and it is largely financial uh and largely based on like it's the profit margins are really fucking thin on independently owned restaurants. Uh, it can be really you know it's just really high failure rate uh it can be a really uh 
intense field with lots of burnout. And like, those are all problems caused by capitalism, not by just the idea of cooking for other people. Like they like to do that part. Yeah. That's (laughs) That's the the, part they enjoy. That's why people go to like culinary (laughs) school and everything is like, you have so many people telling them you're not going to get rich doing this. It's going to be a struggle, blah, blah, blah. So it's like teaching in that sense of like, no one's going into it to get money. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Same with like artists, same with like writers. Like we fucking know. Yeah. We're not idiots. We just really like the thing we do. There's a joyful aspect of that in the human. I mean, like you see so many people is obviously a huge spectrum of this. There are like real ass chefs and stuff and and Mm -hmm. influencers and everything else on TikTok doing food stuff. But there's also like regular ass like, hey, I'm a mom. I make this for my kids. Here's what it is. And that's just like you know, cool to, you know, they like cooking or they like producing the video or whatever, but like there's an experience of that, that they, you know, like to put together. And I think entertaining people is something people, I mean, like Kyle enjoys like doing, he He loves making drinks for people and, (laughs) and all that sort of stuff. Like that's, that's his, his bag. Yeah. I always feel bad when we host because he's just like slaving away in the kitchen. I'm like, do you want to come out? And he's like, no, this is where I want to be. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you're working like really hard. You've done this all day. (laughs) And he's like, no, this is what I like. Yeah, that's awesome. He's crazy. So there's going to be, you know, maybe you're someone like that or there's going to be lots of people like that in the commune. So don't let your conservative asshole friends or acquaintances or family members or whatever (laughs) tell you, oh, come on, who's going to make your Big Mac in the... In the commune. At first, you know, your Big Mac may not be as Frankenstein-y as it is now, but it will it's probably be, be as or more delicious. Honestly, it might lose a little deliciousness if it's not quite as processed. Like, it might. It might lose a little honest. deliciousness. It will gain a lot of, like, ethical points. That's true. It's it's holiness <laughs> will increase its flavor profile. Yeah. You'll probably have to eat less meat. Yeah. But, like, we should be doing that anyway. Like, come on. Right. Yeah. We're Here's the thing. We're going to get to that point anyway. It's like, do you want to do it because we killed all the cows or do you want to do it because like we decided to be responsible? Yeah. Do you want it to be, do you want your world to be the one with it where it's the legend of the cow or you do get to go <laughs> see cows in like the preservation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, safari thing or You're something. eating the bug box or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we should be eating bugs. They're very high in protein or whatever. I just want like tasty bugs. I've had tasty bugs. Those little those little grasshopper things. Yeah. Those are good. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool snack. They taste like tahine, but crunch. Mm. The other thing I mentioned, it's actually too stupid in retrospect, so <laughs> we're just gonna just cut it. It'll forever no remain a mystery what that was. Ooh, who will know? Someone's like, Oh, I read that arc. It's it is stupid. <laughs> it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they they already know what it was. <laughs> okay. I've just sent a link to the newest expansion pack for a little game called The Sims. All right, for you listeners who don't know our Sims backstory, I don't know if we talked about it on a show before, but probably I'm like a Sims 1 old school. Like, oh, yeah. That's where I yeah. started. I think you Same. did too. I did, mostly looking over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we've evolved from that through Sims 2, which is fantastic. Sims 2 is great, probably my favorite. Sims 3 is great, though, for, like, the open world situation. You could go, like, anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was really good, too. And now we're in Sims 4. The Kinda most mid. beautiful of the games. Yeah, very beautiful. Probably the most bland. I use it to build my sets for comics. <laughs> hey, that's a smart idea. <laughs> uh, but now we are on this accursed expansion pack. It's called The Sims 4 for Rent. Yeah, do you want to be a landlord in The Sims? Oh. Because that's a thing you can do now. I thought you were like 
the like it was like let but they already have apartments that's what i thought at first was it was apartment life sort of thing but they have that i think Do they? already in sims 4 yeah if you live in san musha you know or mm. um there's another one they have maybe it's just that neighborhood but they have uh like a, a couple different apartment buildings okay i hadn't messed with that yeah. i know like in in college or you know the university pack you could do that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is a new lot type, new residential rental. Uh, so you can have multifamily dwellings. Oh, you can rent out your basement. Mm-hmm. You can do a duplex, a townhome, apartments with six units. Scroll down to the section titled property management. Ew. This is bad. All right. <laughs> Property owner sims can be present property <sighs> managers living among their tenants so they can live in a separate residence while generating income, passive income, mind you, from several <laughs> property investments. Oh, God. If your sim doesn't want to manage the whole property, then perhaps the new handy person career might be better. Oh, they're they're like become a Become a subcontractor. Yeah. <laughs> property owners should keep their unit ratings high because if they don't, they could face consequences like a tenant's revolt. Tenants can I revolt. play as the tenants and be like a tenant revolt organizer? <laughs> Maybe your Sims can start a tenant tenant revolt. That would be cool. That would be cool. That would be the only silver lining to this weird, weird expansion. Like what in what world? Like the point of the Sims is like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have a house? <laughs> and now you're like, you know what? I want to make my Sims really suffer and pay rent. The thing I hate doing. All right. Do you often play without money cheat or with money cheat? What do you do more? I go back and forth. Um, I would say, I would say I do a little more without than with. Okay, I usually do with. Like I'm just a, mm-hmm. a no money kind of <laughs> person. That's fair. It's a fucking game. Who cares? So I'm like, oh yeah, rent. Oh yeah, having a job. Like I usually give them a job for story purposes. Just like, well, I want him to go do. I want him to do this and. Then it becomes too easy because I'll cheat to like, I'll mood cheat so I can get their levels in the job just so I can yeah. raise it. It's like, what am I even doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> that's why I play without most of the time. Yeah, it's a smarter idea. So yeah, you're, you're going to be the cause of so many Sims suffering to try to get by <laughs> on their pizza delivery oh. job or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the picture is this guy handing over what appears to be a rent check and looking really like meek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, here's my hat. She looks haughty towards him. She's like, yeah, yeah. she looks like a real bitch. Really? Three days late, Miguel? Mm, How dare you? I mean, I would like to see what the tenant revolt looks like. (laughs) I bet the game's mechanics. You can't imagine EA is allowing, you know, the liberation of a particular neighborhood through a tenant revolt. Like, what if, you know, you organize (laughs) it to where all the properties went on went on rent strike you know at the same time and then you just like oh. drove out you know all the landlords lost so much money they stopped you know they just turned it over to you and you just communized all the, oh my all gosh. within the game that'd be great oh my gosh it's just so funny to me anyway that's the new the new fantasy is being a landlord apparently it's not i don't know it's not new but like you see this all over the place people saying and we've we've talked about this on the show before maybe but People saying like, oh, you got to really get passive income, you know, and this is like this smart person sort of code sort of thing. Trying to sound smart person, I should say, code for becoming a boss or a landlord. Yeah. Like hiring people to do your shit for you or renting shit to people. 
That's yeah. your investing. That is the word for it too. Yeah. I mean, investing, at least you're kind of abstracting your money out and, you know, it goes into companies and they pay you back as dividends and stuff. There are, you know, basically there's, there's the magic box that is investing because that involves hiring stuff to people or involves landlord landlordism by like property value speculation and stuff too. But let be landlord and all that is like a little more direct, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just mean like in terms of property investments and, and by being a landlord or by investing like in a small business, becoming like a part owner of a restaurant or something like you're just becoming a boss. You're just becoming a landlord. Like that doesn't make you cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. It probably is a smarter way to make sure your money turns into more money, but like it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, who wants to do it? So I don't know. We've mentioned it before of like, yeah, there are degrees, right? We had a question about rental properties and mm, yeah. various things. Try not to, to the greatest extent you can, um, involve yourself in the depravities of being a landlord. <laughs> I mean, no, vacation stuff is one thing, and it does have its impacts on the affordability of the housing market, but so would building affordable housing units. Like driving a car, not great, but it would be better if we had public transit. So what are you going to do? This is a thought I have every week. <laughs> Why am I in this stupid car? Well, that's a that's a crappy expansion for The Simpsons. I mean, unless it's really funny and you can always do like tenant revolts all the time, that would be pretty funny. <laughs> Did you see uh, the outcome of that? Or um, I, we can watch a video real quick. Sure. So we just watched a video <laughs> <laughs> of of what happens when you have a tenant revolt. This YouTuber was trying to get like how fast they could do a tenant revolt. And it was like a day and a half. It was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently, I mean, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. The tenants went out front of the property and did a picket line. Yeah, they had signs. They were mad. Yeah, basically what the, the streamer did was put the max rent on like really small apartments and also did not do any maintenance at all. Yeah, basically just acted like a landlord. Uh, <laughs> a really bad one, but you know, a landlord nonetheless. And uh, also just like started yelling at people and picking fights and getting their dogs to bark at people. So, yeah. Yeah, they were just generally terrible. And so it started out kind of cool, but at best, they didn't do anything to address the question of the tenant revolt. They didn't try to make anything better. And their punishment for failure was that the ratings on the, like their apartment finder rating or whatever went down. Uh, people are like, this place sucks. <laughs> yeah, it is weird that that is the punishment. Like, wouldn't they move out or something? Like, wouldn't there be more concrete consequences of like, okay, no one wants to rent from you because you're an asshole. Right. I mean, they're not, they're presumably not paying you, correct? Like, I would assume, yeah. <laughs> or they, they leave and then you have trouble filling the unit or something. Yeah, I would, I would think so. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, that was just one video and, and one tenant revolt. I don't know what happens if you stack multiple or if people can get mad enough to move out. Like, are replacements really easy to find? But yeah, basically you have a timer to and a little checklist. And it's like, you know, talk to tenants about their demands, like try to meet their demands and promise that it'll get the, better <laughs> yeah and then talk to the property owner too with the checklist, I think, too. Oh, no, that's <laughs> it left a little to be desired. Yeah, yeah, it was a little weird. But so does the whole concept of being a landlord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a fun experience in general. So, 
yeah, I don't know why we had to gamify it, but we did. And it's a thing you can do if you want. It's true. You could like, I guess, basically do what that playthrough was doing is just like play an evil playthrough. <laughs> just like be intentionally mean. Mm-hmm. Be like, ha ha ha. Look, at this is what capitalists do. <laughs> I, if you want. <laughs> yes. I mean, if that's something that appeals to you. <laughs> It's only been going like an hour, yeah? Yeah, but, you know, you guys have things to do, you know? Yeah. Go hang out with people in your life. Go hang out on your own. You know, we we didn't have a lot, I guess, to to get into today, but that's that's fine. Sometimes you have shorties. A lot of times we make up with that for extra long episodes, so. Um, I have a feeling the next one's going to be extra long. Uh, Yeah, you'd have a correct feeling about that, I think. (laughs) Because next week's Fall of the Soviet Union? It is. Yeah, that one's going to be a long one. I've already got multiple tabs pulled up on it. Great. I really haven't settled on the scope, but it's got to be limited. I'm not going to be like, okay, so in the revolution, the seeds were set. Like, Because, I mean, there is a little bit of that, but we gotta, we're got we really going to be... Broad overview. Yeah, and talking about kind of immediate sort of like what really, like what are some of the myths about what happened like what really happened but less so of the big philosophical sort of like why did it happen maybe abstractly yeah yeah and more of like just a breakdown timeline wise i guess yeah yeah more in the timeline vein and then kind of a discussion you know i guess attached to that a discussion of the whys and stuff kind of like our uh our russian civil war episode yeah yeah a little bit of that broad strokes yeah, broad strokes approach and hopefully kind of uncovering some of the lesser known aspects of it, um, including U.S. involvement in various things. <laughs> cool. Of course we're in there. Yeah. Basically, you know, if you're anyone in an imperial country, you always hear, you know, well, the dumb Soviets. I mean, they built a system <laughs> that it wouldn't work. And so it eventually fell. collapsed because mm-hmm. they were too mean to people and they didn't give people enough freedom and they didn't give people enough stuff because they wanted to, they controlled all the economy. There was no blue jeans, so what are you yeah. going to do? <laughs> and then, you know, they found out that the grocery stores in the U.S. have a lot of stuff. And so they were upset. And so, you know, they got rid of the government and they brought about capitalism and now they have Pizza Hut. They realized capitalism's better. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. So that being the received history, uh, we're going to be pushing back against it and clarifying. I mean, it's not all going to be roses. It's not all going to be apologia for everything they do, because I think they do some stupid stuff, the Soviet Union, in that time period. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what really, really happened, how that all went down, that sort of thing. Okay. Looking forward to it. This one's been a long time coming in terms of scheduling. We wanted it to be this time of year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. All right. Uh, I'll catch you next time then. We'll see ya, except we won't, because that's not how podcasts work, but we'll talk to you in your ears then. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, 
You can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.